On this episode, I'm going to show you how to position yourself for the greatest transfer of wealth the world has ever seen. You will learn how to love your way to prosperity. God has an answer for the darkness we're seeing in the world, and you have a part to play. Stay tuned. Life was bitter to the core. There was nothing to live for until love came. My name is Harold J. Perkins, and at the age of 17, I was selling drugs and on my way to an early grave. While sitting in my house with about 10 guys, God gave me an out-of-body experience, and I was lifted above the room. I could see everything moving in slow motion. After that, I got up and put those guys out, and I cried out to Jesus Christ. He came into my life with liberty and purpose, then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. Are you ready for the greatest transfer of wealth that the world has ever seen? Are you ready for the greatest demonstration of God's power that the world has ever seen? Don't be deceived by the darkness. It's an indication that we've entered the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. For about 2,000 years now, we have been in the last days. Now, how long the day of the Lord Jesus Christ will be, I don't know. I don't know if it's five years or 50 years ago, or 100 years ago or 200 years ago. But what I do know, because I can read that the signs are already here. If you read Joel, J-O-E-L chapter two and Isaiah chapter 60 verses one through five in both places, you'll see it talks about darkness and gross darkness. And boy, are we seeing darkness and gross darkness. And God said, on the end of the darkness, on the other end of the darkness, that he would prosper his people with a wealth transfer. It is already happening for some people. Over the last week, I've heard uh, from several people that that have began to receive this wealth. Now, what I'm going to talk about on this episode is a major key to you positioning yourself to be used by God in an incredible way to receive this wealth that's about to happen, to receive this anointing of power that's about to happen. And this place is called the secret place. And for most believers, it's a secret. They have yet to discover it. I'm going to reveal it on this episode, and I'm likely going to be covering this on the next episode and possibly the the episode after that. Okay. Now, it's a place talked about in Psalms 91 as a place of protection and blessing like no other place. I've talked about every believer being in Christ by Jesus by believing in Jesus only. That's all it takes to go to to go to heaven to believe in Jesus Christ. But the and and what a wealthy place we have in Christ, but this is a place that's in Christ, another place in Christ. That's what this place is. Okay? The secret place is something that you have to do to live there. You don't have to live in the secret place to go to heaven. As I said, that comes from just believing in Jesus Christ, but to fulfill your God given purpose 
and receive all that God has for you in this life, God is requiring something from you because he's already equipped you to do it. Now, let's read some of Psalms 91 and you can kind of get a flavor of this special place. It starts off in verse one saying, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high. So it's a secret place of the most high. It says she shall live under the shadow of the almighty. That's pretty close if you're living under the shadow. Verse two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the nauseous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. And his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that waits at that waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right, right hand, but it shall not come near you. Wow, isn't that some kind of protection? You see, King David, who wrote this psalm, he lived in this place. And in, and this, in this place, he was able to go out to battle time after time and fight in combat and God supernaturally protected him over and over again because he lived in this place. He was also promoted by God to be king over his people because he lived in this place. Now, Jesus actually talked about this place before he went to the cross, before he left earth. Let's, let's read where he begins to talk about this. Now, I'm in John chapter 13, 31 through 5. Now, what's about to happen is Jesus has just had the Last Supper with his disciples, and Judas is, is about to go out and betray him, turn him over to, to, to the uh, religious leaders that eventually were going to turn him over to Rome, and they were going to put him on the cross. Now, so the reason I'm, I'm setting the stage for this, because this is the equivalent, so Jesus knows he's about to die. Now, let's go to someone that's on their dying bed. And they know they're about to leave. They know they're about to die. You better know that what's going to come out of their mouth now is important to them. And, and we can say because we know the heart of Jesus that what he was going to say was important to us. Okay. Let's listen to what he says. He says in verse 31, therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. Now, I'm going to put a pin in for a moment because it's something for us to understand here that's very important if we're going to fulfill our purpose. The whole purpose that Jesus came to the earth was to die and to rise again so that we could come back in relationship with God. So he's saying now is the Son of Man glorified. He's going to do what he was sent to the earth to do. But you got to understand something. While he says this, he's about to go through the toughest time of his life. He is about to be uh, spit on. He's about to be denied and betrayed by his disciples. He's about to be put in pain and whipped with a on his back, took stripes on his back for our healing and be nailed to the cross. But he says, now is the son of man glorified. Now there's a note here for us that before God elevates us to the place that he wants us to be in our purpose, you better know he's going to take us through some things that are difficult for us, not as ex extreme as what Jesus went through, of course. Okay. But he's not going to, if he didn't promote his son without taking him through a tough time, don't expect him to promote you or me 
if he doesn't take us through something first. Okay, so I'm going to continue. Verse 32. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall, shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the, to the Jews, where I go, you cannot come now. So now I say unto you, he's never talked about this before. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. The secret place is love, but it's not love on the level that most people believe it is. It's And, and at the same time, many people say that I love God. Well, if you love God, the commandment, is to love one another as he loved us. And he laid down his life for us. Now, why did Jesus introduce this new commandment at this time? Why did he wait? Okay. And it, and if it was in the, if it, if it was in the old Testament, then it's not new. Okay. And again, as I said, why did he wait three and a half years talking about this when he was with his disciples all the, for three and a half years? because they would not be equipped to keep it until after he died and they received his life. Notice the new commandment is that we love one another as he loved us. Now I've heard ministers say that we are to love one another as we love ourselves. Well, that's old Testament. That's not new. That's not what Jesus was saying here to love one another as you love yourself is self is on a selfish level. Jesus was talking about something much higher than that. The love he is talking about here is why Father God placed everything in his hands. And as we love like Jesus said and did, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Now, don't take my word for it. I'm going to give you further clarity because Jesus goes on to talk about this in John chapter 15. And I want you to hear what he says the person can ask that lives in this place. I'm in John now. I'm going to go on to John chapter 15, and I'm going to pick up reading at verse four. Now, this is all Jesus talking here. It's in the red. So here's what it says. Abide in me, and we can. that's the same as saying live in me, is what Jesus is saying. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it live in the vine, no more can you, except you live in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that lives in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man live not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you notice that that's the opposite of what we just read in Psalms 91. In Psalms 91, he said, I got you. If it falls at your right hand, I got you. But he says in verse six, if you don't live in me, and, and I'm going to show you where he says living in him is keeping the new commandment. But he says, if you don't do that, a man could be cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast in the fire and they are burned. In other words, that protection that's talking about in Psalms 91 is not there because you're not abiding. Verse seven. Now listen to this verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Wow. That's that's pretty powerful. When God is saying, I didn't write this. He said, 
If you live in me and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, the key to this and to being able to do this is you got to abide in him and then the words got to abide in you. Well, the word abided in you is where the faith comes in at. You abided in him is, is where you keep the commandment. In other words, you lay down your life. Now, because of that, God can trust you because I'm going to show you that in this place, if he, if you ask for something in this place and you're in fellowship with God, of course, and it's not his will, you're going to lay it down yourself. You're not going to even want it. I'll show you that as we continue. Okay. I'm going to, again, I'm going to pick up reading at verse seven again. If you live in me and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples as the father has loved me. So have I loved you continue you in my love. If you keep my commandment, you shall abide or live in my love. There it is. He tells you what the commandment is. He says that if you, he tells you what abiding is. If you keep my commandment, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandment and abided in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now, remember in John chapter 13, he said to love like I loved you. Well, he's telling us here that he laid his life down. So he's telling us to do the same. Okay. He's telling us to lay our life down. So how, what do we, what, what is this saying? Okay. So the new commandment is to put God's will and people ahead of your will so that when your will is in conflict with God's will, you submit to God's will. That's why he can trust you to ask what you will. Because we're going to read how Jesus asked for something. And he didn't get it because he abandoned it. He gave it up. He said, no, there ain't another one. I'm going to, well, let's go to it. This is where I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to uh, where Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. He's in the garden. He knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to be uh crucified. So let's pick up. I'm going to, I'm going to Mark after 14 and I'm going to start reading at verse 32. Okay. Here's what it says. And they came to a place which is, which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit you here while I shall pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and be very heavy. And said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Wait you here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. Now, remember, he knows he's about to go to the cross. Verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what you will. So let's, let's understand what's going on here. Jesus is saying, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm reading Bible. He said, father, all things are possible. 
take this cup. What's the cup he's talking about? Well, the cup he's talking about is he's finna go through some some pain and and all this. But I don't believe that was the main issue that he had. He's now it's now dawning dawning on him that he's about to be separated from his father, and he's never been separated. And he knows that this is the place above every other place, and that's connection with his father. So I believe his agony here and what he was saying when he said, Lord, hey, can we do this another way without me having to be separated from you? I don't think he was concerned about the pain he was going to go through on the cross and the denial and all those other things, but he was going to be separated from his father. I'm going to continue. So he comes, he goes to the disciples again. And then in, th in verse 39, it says, and again, he went away. So now he's going away the second time. He prayed and spoke the same words. And then he returns again and found his disciples asleep. And then it says again, he went out again. And then it says he, he comes the third time to them after praying this prayer for three times. And he said unto them, sleep on, take your rest. It's enough. The hours come. Behold, son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up. Let us go. He that betrays us is at hand. So look what happened. I mean, he went from being sore, amazed, and heavy, and all of a sudden, he's got the courage of a lion. He said, let's go. All right. There's no, and basically, here's what he's saying. There is no other way. I have to go through this. Okay? So let's go. So we understand here that the new commandment again is to love one another as Jesus loved us, what that is, is when my will is in conflict with God's will for me to impact people, because God wants me to impact people, I lay my will down to do the will of God, just like Jesus did here. This is unselfish love. Now, let me share right here how I stumbled into this. I was many, many years ago, and I didn't know. It took me many years before I even understood this to be the commandment as to what I did then. I didn't understand it at the time. I stumbled into it. Here's how it happened. I was in Mexico. I was playing in the winter league there. And our, th this, we had completed the regular season and our team did not make the playoffs. However, all the teams that did make the playoffs were given an opportunity to pick two players off of the losing teams. And I was on one of the losing teams and they could pick whatever two players they wanted off those teams. OK, and it was several teams in the league. So it was a lot of people available for people to choose. The truth is, I should have just packed up and went on home right away because I played terrible. I did not have a good uh, winter season at all, but I know how to walk in faith. And so I was about to pray. We actually we had two days before the playoffs were, were going to happen. So here's what I was about to pray. I was about to say, Father. I want to go home to two days and spend some time with my family. And then I want to come back and play in the playoffs here. So I was about to say in the name of Jesus Christ, I claim and declare that I have received this two days off to go home to my family. And I'm coming back and to play, play in the playoffs. That was the selfish prayer that I was about to pray. But some on the inside of me said, don't pray that prayer. And so here's what I said. I said, father, you know, I want to go home and see my family for a couple of days. I haven't seen them in a while, and I'd like to play in the playoffs. And here's what I heard. He said, I have something for you to do the two days 
that you want to go home. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, what are you having to, me to do here? Because it, here's what has happened. Uh, I had uh, played uh, one of the coaches that I played with in the summer league. He lived in the city. And when I was playing in the summer with him, I prayed with him and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when I came to play in the city that he lived in, he told the people at his church what had happened to him. And and he was bringing people one by one at, to the church. I mean, to where I stayed at. And I was praying with them and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. OK. Um, at the same time, while that was happening, uh, the pastor, which was a female pastor of the church, she said, well, Lord, I'm not going to no hotel. If you want me to receive this, then you need to have him come here. Okay. Well, well, we had what I didn't, I, I didn't know the pastor had prayed that. So, so one day before the season was over, uh, I was real tired. And up until this time I had taken authority over the rain. Okay. So anytime it looked like it was going to rain, I took authority over and said, nah, mm, we're going to play. I'm here to play. And, and every single time we played. this time I was tired. So I said, Lord, I said, ah, I want this day off. So I didn't pray about the rain. We got, so we got rained out. Well, it was perfect because the pastor had prayed that I would come and in, in to the church and pray with her. And if I had, we had played the game, I wouldn't have been able to go. So since we got rained out, the man came and got me, the coach came and got me and said, Hey, uh, the pastor wants you to come to the church. And so I went to the church and I prayed with her and she got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, she, I mean, she was crying and praying. I mean, we couldn't even shut her up. You know, it was just a glorious experience that she had. And so now I'm saying all that to say this. So when the Lord said, I have something to do, I'm saying, Lord, what do you have me to do? I've been doing all this already. And, he, and, and I'm telling you, as soon as he said, I had something to, for you to do, I heard a knock on the door. I'm t and it wasn't a minute. It wasn't five minutes. It wasn't even a minute that went by that a knock came at the door and it was a coach. And he said, hey, uh, this pastor in town found out that what you were doing and he wants you to speak at his church on this day. And the following day, he has an event at his church and he wants you to speak there. There are the two days. Now, is God awesome or what? I'm, I'm not. I'm telling you, that's how it happened. So long story short, I went. I did what God wanted me to do those two days, and a lot of people's lives were changed and transformed. Uh, and so after that, I'll come back to my place after those two days and still no, you know, no word on who's going to be picked for the playoffs. So I said, Lord, I sure would like to be uh, uh, have a job on the playoffs. And here's what I heard him say. He said, you got it. He said, you did what I told you to do. You got it. And so shortly after that, I got a call from what I found out later is the best team to play on in the winter league. And they called me and I want you to hear what they said. They did not say that we picked you up because we believe you can help us win. Or we picked you up because we needed to, somebody to play your position. Here's what they said to me. We picked you up because we heard that you were a good person. Now who picks up somebody for, to, to win a baseball game based on those terms? OK, and here's what happened. That team advanced me more money than I earned because the, the, we got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. But they had advanced me more money than I earned. They never asked me for that money back. So God did exceedingly abundantly above because I submitted my will to do what he wanted. And that's love. You see, in Joel chapter two. 
It describes a people of God walking the earth like no other people. And, and if you read it, Joel chapter two, it calls them a great people. Now, now we're going to read later and I'll give you a little heads up because I'm not going to get through it on this episode, but we're going to eventually go to first Corinthians chapter 13, where it says that the greatest of these is love. So what makes these people great that Joel talks about is love. Therefore, God can trust them with the wealth to not consume it on themselves. They'll use it to make other people's lives lives better. See, true blessing is not someone giving you $1,000 or $10,000. True blessing is when you are on the end of giving the $1,000 or the $10,000. Here's what's happening. The mantle of anointing is about to be handed over to a younger generation. There are going to be some old folks like myself or older that are going to run with this. But for the most part, it's going to be a younger generation and they will do what the people in the book of Acts did. They will turn the world upside down. They will be empowered with power and anointing on them like the world has never seen. And what will stand out above anything else about them is their love and their humility. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode. I was